Well, good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Janice M, and I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Well, today is Monday, September 5th, 2016. Today we're, st- we're reading from the big book and we're in chapter 7. Today we'll be on page 97. We're going to begin on paragraph 2, starting with we seldom allow an alcoholic and, um, and continue that page and perhaps the next page also. Well, today's readers are Leslie M. for the OA 12 Steps, Lisa B. for the OA 12 Traditions, Amanda R., and Santa H. so far. Okay, the reference number for Sunday, which was yesterday, September 4th, 2016, pardon me, the special edition meeting. The reference number is 9050. That's 9050. And it was a presentation by four recovered compulsive overeaters entitled Truth About Lies, More About Alcoholism. Okay, the OA preamble Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of 12 steps in the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Leslie M. to please read the 12 steps. Good morning, Janice. Thank you for the opportunity to do this service. The 12 steps. I'm Leslie M. The 12 steps. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, 
made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service, and I pass. And thank you so much, Leslie M. Okay, I will now ask, please, Lisa B. to please read the 12 traditions. Good morning. This is Lisa B., a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. The 12 traditions of OA. Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never to be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. And thank you so much, Lisa B., Okay, our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request 
that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. And once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Okay, today we are studying from the big book on page 97. Uh, the second paragraph, I will now ask Amanda R. to please begin reading for us. Good morning. This is Amanda R., and I am a recovered compulsive eater from Maine. We seldom allow an alcoholic to live in our homes for long at a time. It is not good for him, and it sometimes creates serious complications in a family. Though an alcoholic does not respond, there is no reason why you should neglect his family. You should continue to be friendly to them. The family should be offered your way of life. Should they accept and practice spiritual principles, there is a much better chance that the head of the family will recover. And even though he continues to drink, the family will find life more bearable. Okay, that's where that chunk of the reading leaves off. And um, I'm looking at the second paragraph. And I um, I am not so involved. In fact, I'm scratching my head trying to think of where I am evolved, involved at all uh, with the families of the people I do uh, outreach 12-step work with. And, um, and I do a blank. However, I... I like the um, the sentences where it says the family should be offered your way of life, and what I'm thinking of is my own family and um, how they suffered through the the crazy stuff I did when I was actively addicted, and um, and I've changed. I really I'm not by any means an angel now, <laughs> but have changed and I respond to problems in a different way. When I'm irritable, restless, discontent, I have steps 10, 11, and 12, um, as we say, neatly coiled and ready for instant use. And boy, do they make a difference. It's just, um, it's not that I don't get upset anymore. It's just that I have a healthy, effective way to deal with the upset and put it down. And so I see my various members of my family get into similar situations and I see um, I I just want to like offer show them how to do a 10 step because my goodness you don't have to be upset and carry this this difficulty around like you're doing and I want to say that to them and I realize you know that's that is um if they ever want to know about it, I am certainly happy to tell them. But that this this twelve step way of life, you know, whether or not they have an addiction um on board, these twelve steps can do wonders in anyone's life, I, I truly believe. And that, you know, I was reading Doctor Bob's nightmare the other day and he was saying you know his wife her spirituality really kept him going so 
be an example for other people of how this way of life works, to offer it to them if they seem like they might be uh, interested because these spiritual principles, you know, not only will there be a greater chance of the active addict in the family recovering um, if they see other people working these these principles, but, you know, the family themselves, like, they matter an awful lot too and it's going to make their life so much um, better despite the fact that they're living with an addict. And I know Al-Anon did not come in until the 50s, so it's it's kind of interesting to, to read this paragraph and sort of see the seeds of Al-Anon already planted and um, just the fact that, you know, you don't have to have an addiction to go for these 12 steps. They're They're going to, they can really work wonders no matter what. And I think that is all I have to say. Thank you, and I'll pass. Well, thank you, Amanda R. Okay, we're going to open up the meeting to anyone that would like to share and comment on these two paragraphs for about three minutes. Chrissy? Julie R. All right. What's Chrissy? What's your last initial? Is it C? G is in George. Okay, Chrissy G, Do L, and Julie R. Anyone else? All right, let's start with those. Who is that? Kathy K. Kathy, Kathy K. Okay, that's a nice lineup for four people. Chrissy G, please go ahead. Hi, this is Chrissy G, Recovered Convulsive Reader and Anorexic from New Jersey. Thank you for your service. This, the first thing that pops in my in my mind was you know, that that it's so easy to get into a pattern of enabling people that we are trying to help and to become God in their lives. And that's not the, the purpose. And I could see that, you know, in me as a defect, it's been a defect for me to you know, not look at my own self and to focus on other people's problems and really to lose, just to lose all perspective of what my part in helping people is and what God's part. Mine mine is very little. Mine is, you know, leading <laughs> leading the horse to water just like, you know, I can't make them drink, but God can, you know, it's just me leading them. So if I have if I have someone in a situation where maybe maybe I'm spoon feeding them and that that's the way I don't have people live with me necessarily, although I would I've offered people to stay with me for a time to help them get you know, get abstinent or or to learn how to prepare their foods or to plan meals. Nobody's taken me up on it yet, but I'll continue to offer. But, you know, in any event, that's that's what, what happens for me is when I get into a situation where I'm overhelping, I'm overstepping my bounds. I do that in ways with the steps with writing out the step work sometimes because I'm a teacher I fall into the situation where you know I want to help them write it and edit it and you know sometimes I get too overly involved in in writing the work and then it's 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 a detriment to them because they're not learning how to do it independently and then how are they going to model it for the next people that they work with you know so I see this you know as a the underlying problem that 
that our early AAs ran into was just overhelping, knowing where the boundaries are. And Al-Anon wasn't wasn't a thing. Codependency wasn't a thing when they first started. And 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 boy, we we sure know what that's about now. And helping the family is directing them to go to to Al-Anon meetings. Al-Anon meetings aren't just for people with uh, families in alcoholism, but in all addictions, dysfunction, mental illness, and it's helpful. Um, And that's all I have. Thanks. And thank you much, Chrissy G. Well, good morning to you. Do well. Good morning, everyone. This is Duel, Recover Compulsive Overeater from New York. Um, awesome, awesome, awesome. I, I just love this paragraph because it's talking about the family. And yesterday, I coming back from the convention, I got to meet some of these families um, as I was dropping off visionaries off, um, uh, people that were driving in a car with me. And, you know, what does this call us to, to do? It's calling us not to have an attitude towards them but to be dignified and courteous and polite and have a loving attitude and knowing that we're the representation of what, how this works for, for that family member that's living with a compulsive overeater and, you know, is looking for the solution too because they're wanting to see their spouses change. And I had a sponsee this morning share with me how um, she was at this restaurant and and one of the the um, the people that was with that she was with was also an overeater synonymous, and and that overeater synonymous was having a conversation with her husband, and the husband had mentioned that his wife was getting better, and he may not get the full complications uh, implications of the program, but he knows that the wife is getting better and that she's getting the help. And so that makes his life more bearable, more easier. And it's just a wonderful way to carry the message. But I also wanted to bring out, you know, that at World Service Convention, um, which we came from, there's a lot of people that we can consider family that are not getting this program. And and how do we, how are we to be receptive to them? How are we to uh, bring them into our homes and and bring them into the message? Well, you know, um, we help them to accept these spiritual principles. We carry the message to them. We show them the big book. We show them the steps. We show them how to get this program. And whether they're in program or not, or whether they accept the program or not, we can be that living example to them. We can continue to bring this message to them. And and for those that want it, this these principles are universal. They can work for anyone, anytime, anywhere. And all you have to do is, you know, uh, you know, just walk along with them. And when they're ready, believe me, they will grab onto the solution. I just want to end up with this. We, uh, on a Vision for You meeting at the convention, we had 404 seats and 383 seats were filled. Out of those 383 seats, 125 to 150 visionaries were there. So two-thirds of that membership were not members of a Vision for You that showed up with interest in the big book. And I just wanted to mention that because there's a lot of interest out there. And with that, I pass. <clears throat> and thank you so much. Thank you, uh, uh, Duel. Okay, good morning to you, Julie. Uh. Hi, this is Julie R. 
in California recovered compulsive overeater, and yes, it is 4 a.m. Um, it's a joke from the meeting. So we seldom allow an alcoholic to live in our homes for a long period of time. You know, I mean, I, I never had anybody come live with me, but I did take someone to an OA birthday party and have them share a room with me, and it was somebody who was in relapse. And, you know, they were able to start over. They were indoctrinated with the program, hearing the multiple speakers and, you know, getting their food in order. You know, that's something that, that I've done. And also, you know, back when I started in OA in 81, we Oanon was strong. And you, you, it, the rooms would be filled with husbands or wives or adult children so they could understand this disease. And um, unfortunately, um, it's not as big, but there was a meeting at the World Service of Oanon. And, and what I got to do for my family uh, my husband, when we first started dating and I, when I started getting into the disease, he wanted to know about this disease because he comes from a non-addictive family. I mean, it's like, wow, there are some, believe it or not. And he went to OA meetings with me, and it changed his life. He said he would never again look at an overweight person, so like the way he would in the past. So, you know, that's something that we can do is, you know, Tell, ask your sponsees, hey, do you want your husband to listen to a meeting or your wife or your partner? Anything that we can do that we can help the the family members understand that it's not just because we have no self self will. So th- it's, it's something that, you know, I you know, maybe it's something that, you know, God will start doing again is, is help us get Owen on started. I don't know. But for me it was very, very important that my husband got to really hear and see multiple people talk about their food and having them be healthy body weight and or still being morbidly obese, knowing the pain. So I don't know. I think that's very important that we can share with others as much as we can so that we can help help people recover. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Julie. Uh, okay, Kathy Kay, it's your turn. Thank you, Janice, for your service. This is Kathy Kay, a recovered compulsive overeater in Boston. And, you know, um, as I listen to people share this morning and uh, think about my own experience, I've had very little contact with the families of the people I sponsor. Um, but in being um, a model for my sponsees, I will often talk about um, my experience with my family and when we get to step four and again to step ten, uh, I will use examples from my own experience to show how uh program works in the lives of our family members just through our own actions and our own recovery. And that's been very powerful. The other thing I'll say is um, I've witnessed just this weekend, I had one of my sponsees um, staying with me in Boston who wanted to attend the convention, and I could see how um, her interactions with my family um, had an impact on my husband um, and his understanding 
um, of our program of recovery and what it means to people. So there are hidden opportunities in our work, even though we don't actually necessarily meet family members of those we help, um, to help them uh, bring the principles home to their families. And with that, I pass. Well, thank you, Kathy Kay. Um, is there anyone else that would like to share on this uh, paragraph, these two Anita paragraphs? Anita J. Vasa O. Nessa R. Vasa O. And there was somebody, Penny C. And one more. Suji. Suji. Okay, there's the five. Anita J. It's your turn. Thank you so much. I I am out walking. This is Anita J. Recovered uh, in Massachusetts where marvelous things happened last weekend. And my, um, my concept of family grew. I really felt a bond. You know, I've been in 38 years, but I'm telling you, I really felt it now. Um, family. It's interesting uh, working with the family. I've never done that. As you say, Al-Anon is the place. However, um, I have, and since I've been working with people via vision, I've met people who have come uh, to give their fifth step, you know, to my home, wherever they were from, and a couple of times they've slept over. And I've gotten to hear about their family. And actually, one of the husbands wanted to talk to me and thank me because he likes what he sees in his wife. Not so much what he sees, what he hears. And I know that's what starts happening. People are, um, their lives change. A family notices. You know, my daughter got drawn to this program. She's my family. Uh, my husband, I'm telling you, our relationship, and it keeps growing. You know, it's a process. Uh, you know, there were, I think of the negative things when I first joined OA, how I describe him. I don't even want to tell you. Uh, and I get a laugh at other people's expense. I don't do that anymore. I still can get a laugh, but it doesn't put anybody else down. That's the last thing I want. He has become really a wonderful role model for other husbands. He doesn't care uh, now. He's tolerant uh, of me talking to people on the phone, you know, and I am respectful of how often I would do that. But uh, he used to be furious once I was talking to my sponsor uh, maybe 20 years ago, and he suddenly dumped on my lap every goodie that was in the house. He, he was just so angry. That doesn't go on anymore. I'm just a grateful human being, and that gratitude, that's the best example to our family. I mean, that's what I really think. Anyway, thank you all for always listening and doing your part. And I'm a, I said I said I was grateful. With that, I pass. 
You did say you were grateful. <laughs> okay, thank you, Anita J. Nessa R., it's your turn. Thank you. Good morning, Vision for You. It's Nessa R., recovered in Toronto, Canada. Um, I speak a lot to, um, about, uh, with people in program, friends in program, sponsees, um, you know, just uh, uh, friends um, about our relatives, you know, sometimes uh, closer relatives, sometimes not so close relatives, you know, children, spouses, etc., who seem to be compulsive overeaters, inactive addiction. And I mean, I'm saying seem because, you know, I cannot really diagnose somebody else, you know, they could just be hard eaters, but they seem to be compulsive eaters, um, you know, most of them with, with weight problems. And I'm often asked, you know, how can we make them recovered? How can we help them recover? And, you know, I, I have them in my own family too, you know, in my own immediate family. And the answer is, I don't know. I don't know. We cannot make somebody else want recovery. Um, we can pray for them, um, but the only other thing that we can do is recover ourselves and stay recovered um, by, you know, be, by doing that, being a good role model to them. Certainly any preaching, any pressure that we may put on, it's really going to be to no avail. You know, I, I think back to when I was in active addiction, I was the recipient of a lot of preaching and a lot of sermoning and a lot of pressure and that didn't help you that didn't make me want recovery if anything that made me even re, re, uh, rebel more it's like oh well I'm, I'm gonna eat that this whole cheesecake that's gonna show them um so the only thing we can do for those who still suffer um you know in our own families is just be a good role model uh, we recover and we stay recovered and we plant the seeds. You know, we show them how we live our lives instead of telling them how to live their lives because there's really nothing we can do to make them want it. They've got to want them themselves. However, once they do want it, we can be there um, to support them and show them the way in their recovery if they want us. But until that happens, um, we need to keep um, our focus on ourselves and I pass. Thank you. Well, thank you, Nessa. Uh, okay, Vasa, oh, it is your turn. Yes, it is. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Janice, for your service. And I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive Vida calling from Foxborough, Massachusetts. And I also went to the OA convention this weekend. It was just so beautiful to meet some of the OA visionary, some my OA people from my program around here, and the visionaries on the phone, and I met them last year at the New Jersey convention. No, no, no. Uh, 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 where was it? Whatever it was, I forgot. But anyways, it was it was beautiful, and I came back so energized. And then um, we're talking about the families this morning. It's it's. It's really hard for me to see, to sit back, and I do have to sit back, you know, to see, you know, family struggle with uh, whether it's food, drugs, uh, cigarette, um, suicidal thoughts. I had a nephew a few weeks back, you know, his girlfriend broke up with him, and that was just, I mean, devastating to hear. Thank God that they're getting him help for it, you know. Um, 
going through divorce, you know, you know, to see the pain, the suffering of kids and spouses. But anyways, I know for me, I did end up going to Eleanor myself once I came to OA, and uh, that was very, very helpful because I grew up in an alcoholic home. And addiction, food addiction, all those things existed in my own home, you know. And I was doing them myself, you know, the food addiction, which I didn't even know was uh, it was a drug. I didn't know about allergies. So I'm so grateful that I was led into this program. It saved my life. But I know at the beginning it was really important for my husband to uh, to show interest, to support me what I was doing. It was a threat for him instead of support because the changes were beginning to happen. And um, thing, you know, he didn't like those changes. But that's okay. I remember saying in praying, you know, I said, please, God, help me not to give up the, my program, you know, because if people didn't want me to do something, I would have given that up and said, oh, you know, I would give in things, you know. And, and I thank God I kept on going, kept on going. And now he reminds me, you know, are you going Are you going to your meeting, like if I'm five minutes late uh, or ten minutes? And we when we moved to Florida, I mean, he found them the closest meeting to our house on the computer because I was computer illiterate yet at that time, you know. So, uh, and my daughter, uh, you know, she would call me and she would, you know, somebody would, one of her friends would be struggling with the food addiction. She'd say, Mom, you know, can you give me an, an, a, a meeting place, you know, a meeting where she could go or give me a telephone number. So my kids know what I'm doing and, they, you know, they like the changes and I, they like what they see in me. And, I'm, and at first it was strange, it was different, Time. you know. I'll just wrap it up. Uh, and this is my mission just to help others. And, again, you know, we can bring the horse to drink the water, but we can't, you know. I needed to be ready myself, which I was also ready and desperate. And other people have to be. But we can still be there, you know, whether they're ready or not, if they need the help. And then and then finally, you know, a lot of people come and they go. They leave me, you know, before I abandon them. But anyways, thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Okay, thank you, Vasa. Oh, okay, Penny C., it's your turn. Good morning, I'm Penny C., recovered compulsive overreader from near Boston. And... um Thank you so much, uh, Janice, and thank you um, to all the people who are talking about family this morning. But first I want to say that um, being at the the convention and being with so many fellow visionaries, uh, and especially the special focus meeting we were uh, given a room for, um, we are not a glum lot. Anybody who was there will know that we we were having fun, 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 as well as many of us were leading workshops, uh, talking to um, people who were new or didn't know about recovery through the big book, and and so we had a family there, you know, a family of twelve hundred people was really what we had all in one place, and it was very exciting. But I'm thanking the people who are calling attention to the word family and 
Um, up till now, every time I've read this book, heard people talk about the family, I thought, well, we don't have much to do with families. No, we don't take them into our house. We don't um, give them money. We we don't do that as a rule in OA. And yet, uh, I see through other people sharing this morning that yes, we do. We do affect families and in in a very very large way. Um, I gave a talk. Uh, one time at a at a convention, and when I was done, um, the good the wonderful thing was I knew that it had nothing to do to for the first time. I knew that what I said had nothing to do with me, and it wouldn't have mattered if nobody said any nice thing afterwards because I was so sure that God had just put all the words. Uh, in my head and and expressed them through my mouth, all his words. But uh, one man came up to me afterwards, a family member who happened to be there with with his wife, and he came up to me afterwards and said, I want to thank you, and he introduced himself. "Um, You helped to save my marriage. Can you imagine? And, And I had no idea. And my quick response was, God did it. God did it. It was it was just automatic for me to say that because in this program I've attained a huge level of humility that um that I never I never had before. And so uh thank you everybody who's talking about family and thank you God for the fact that now I realize that we do have effects on family families even though we may never meet them. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. And, and thank you so much, Penny C. Okay, Sue G., it's your turn. Good morning. This is Sue G. from Michigan. Thank you for your service. Um, I only had a chance to meet the husband of one of my sponsees years ago. Um by Skyping, and he would come in and dip his head down and say hi. But one day he dipped his head down, and he says, I don't know what you're doing to my wife. He says, but but I like it. And, of course, back then, I, 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 I the first thing was just to kind of be dumbfounded and just say, um, that's program. And instead of saying, you know, that's God, um, But I did have an experience with my own family. My husband's very, very quiet, doesn't speak up. If I get put down by my kids, he doesn't say anything. But I, one time, uh, one of the girls, we were at a family family outing at uh, one of their houses, and and they're very grown up in their early 40s. And one made a comment to kind of put me down again where I'm holding him back by, I don't know, or I'm, you know, hard to live with or whatever. And I just turned to him and I said, has that changed at all? Am I easier to get along with now? And he looked up and thank, thank you, God. You know, he just he just said, yes, you are. And I turned and I looked at them and I said, I guess you have to be there or something to that extent that, you know, you have to 
You just have to take his word for it or something. But that made me feel so good because I knew that things were changing slowly. Um, in fact, unfortunately, it hasn't affected the kids yet because I just they don't see me on a regular basis or something. But the one is noticing a change, especially since I joined the vision the vision meeting. And um, and I really that just warms my heart to know that know that that God can work with me in a way that He was never able to work with me before, just by me um, taking the program very very seriously and having a sponsor who takes it seriously and and uh, and really being willing to to do a tenth step when when it's needed. Um, in doing my 11th step, uh, I was doing my 11th step this morning before the meeting started, and it just means a lot to me to do that and to be involved, so that um, people can see a change. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Pass. Janice, we don't hear you. about that. Thank you. Yeah. Is there anyone else that would like to uh, comment before we go on? Charles H. Leah M. Charles H. And then Ginger C. Leah M. And whom else? Ginger C. Ginger C. Okay. Anyone else? And maybe I'll give you my experience. Okay. Charles H. You are up. Good morning, Janice, and thank you for your service. Charles H., a recovered compulsive reader, just for today. I know I turned you on, but please stop breathing on me, please. <laughs> I'm so stupid. Um, so, so <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, it was it was electric. Uh, vision the vision meeting was well represented. Um, you know, I, I just my family, my extended family. The seed was planted. Uh, there's going to be flowers rooting up all over, vision meetings rooting up all over the world, face-to-face meetings. It was just awesome. I met a man from South Africa, met a lady from Germany, met the keynote Friday speaker from Korea. She brought the message to a whole country. Oh, my goodness. Um, and, of course, all the visionaries ripped it down, whether they, you know, shared or whether we – I mean, I was like, yo, there they go. They go, Vasa, old go, slack. You know, I had to stay at another hotel uh, because it was overwhelming and I was getting freaked out, but but it was just awesome. I want to put a plug in for all the visionaries. Um, Ginger C, I love you. You know, you gave me that God dice. You roll the dice on God, man. You can't. It's not a gamble. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna be good. So um, <clears throat> what I wanted to say was it was such an unbelievable experience, and um, – yeah, I said something controversial. You know, it wouldn't be Charles H. if, if I didn't. And, what, you know, at the vision meeting, when I got up and spoke it after Ruth and Colin C. tore the place down, it, it probably need construction right now. I was like, you know what? I'm sorry, but I think they missed the mark. These two should have been the keynote speakers. And I probably owe an amends, but it is what it is. But I, I, I listened to the person from Long Island, the Sunday keynote speaker, and he blew me away. And he's big book, but he didn't say anything about the big book. And me and Penny C were sitting together. I love you, girl. You ripped it apart. I got your, I got your um, MP3. But 
He said something that, that just locked the whole weekend. Perfectionism is a form of spiritual abuse. It sounds so simple, but <laughs> I'm imperfectly perfect. Right now, I owe a whole bunch of men, and, and I got a 10-step, the most unutilized step in the world to, 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 to use that. And I got a, a journey, a lifetime journey to use that. And we are family. You know, my wife that is so resistant to um, OA, you know, when she see the change or she see me not using a 10-step, she's like, honey, why don't you go to an OA meeting? Why don't you dial into that vision meeting that you do when you wake me up on your days off on Friday mornings? I'm like, bet. And I know this thing is working. You know, I don't got to go. I'm not converting nobody. You know, I'm not running for president. You know, and you know what? When people are beat down enough, hopefully they are, then they will turn to the solution, which in my humble opinion is the big book. And thank you, and I'll pass it back. Thank you so much, Charles H. Okay, we have Leah M., please. Thanks so much, Janice. I just had to jump in on this one because I do get excited about this aspect, um, having had experience with it. You know, we had a large, uh, very uh, big book-focused meeting in Minnesota, and it was such a great joy and such a pleasure to have a lot of family family members attend that meeting. It was an open meeting. We often had medical professionals, and that was very, very helpful, but we always had spouses, and that was really exciting, you know, to be able to um, to greet those spouses, love them, you know, get to know them over time, and uh, you know, we would we would see them, you know, year to year when uh, their loved one would celebrate an anniversary. Um, so it was it was great to show them that this was far beyond just a physical solution. This was not a diet club. This was a place that supported individuals going through the 12 steps so that they could have a spiritual awakening, so that they would be changed in the way that they thought, in the way that they felt, and especially in the way that they behaved. And, of course, that would affect all their relationships, their marriages, their relationships with their children. Um, It was also, you know, always a blessing when mothers would come, mothers of young anorexics and bulimics. Um, you know, uh, supporting their daughters. Oftentimes their daughters at age 20 or 18 were not ready for the commitment that recovery entails. But the mothers would continue to come. Perhaps they needed a program of recovery for their eating disorder. So, uh, you know, those relationships would also develop. Uh, I know my husband started attending with me. He's very normal. He's an earth person. But when, you know, when I met him, he came with me in 1984 to meetings, and that was extremely helpful for him to learn the language. What was going on in these rooms? Why was I on the phone? <laughs> what was happening? What was this book? And, of course, my disease progressed during that time, and when I was ready for rehab, which I was and needed a 12-step rehab, he was, of course, extremely supportive of that effort. Um, so, you know, I can only encourage, you know, these, these families being involved uh, with the program of recovery because they, too, are changed um, in the way that they view the program. And, of course, they have an opportunity to also live this way because we have a program of recovery where we are forced to live better than most people right? Because we're forced, if we're committed to this way of life, we're forced to living these principles, and it makes our lives better. 
And who doesn't want that, right? Who doesn't want that? And with that, I pass. Thanks so much. And thank you so much, Leah M. Okay. Um, Ginger C., it's your turn. Oh. Ginger C., star one to unmute. Oh, she might be having trouble. All right. Let me um, just comment uh, until perhaps she gets um, uh, back. Um, my name is Janice Hammond, and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. I just want to share my experience, and it's really uh, a hidden opportunity that I had in 1982. Um, my brother, who was a recovered alcoholic, and, of course, my son, um, I can remember one time his sponsor came to my house, and it was around the holidays, Christmas time, and, and he, and I had the table set like an idiot, like, you know, three days before the holiday, because, you know, we were perfectionists, like our child said. Um, yeah, and he said, gee, Janice, what are you having dinner for somebody? And I said, oh, no, I got so much to do, you know, Christmas is coming and blah, blah, blah. Oh, and then I met him another time, and he said, you know, Janice, maybe it would be good for you to attend an Al-Anon meeting. And I said, me? There's nothing wrong with me. You know, I thought it was everybody else. Well, guess what? I went to that meeting, and you know the, the seed, there, the, there was an angel planted there for me because she said she had a disease. And I said, oh, my goodness, you're dealing with compulsive overeating from the family and alcohol. What's your disease? She says, I believe I'm a compulsive overeater. And she was my first introduction to Overeaters Anonymous. You just never know. <laughs> and from then on there, I attended not only those Al-Anon meetings, but I also attended, of course, OA at that time. So you never know what you're going to get when you go there. Um, and that's, of course, Al-Anon. So is uh, Ginger, are you back yet? Hi, good morning. This is Ginger C. Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Colorado. Welcome back. Oh, thank you. Sorry about that. So grateful to be on the line this morning. Very exciting. And, um, you know, I, too, was just so moved by this paragraph because this disease is extremely painful. It's painful for the person that's in the food and eating and seeing no end, no end in sight that they're going to take the food to the grave. And then, of course, the family that's around them suffering right there, right along with them as they watch their loved one disappearing into food and not understanding what's going on. And I shared at the convention that this time last year, I was in bed at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And it's just amazing to see myself today recovered today that I'm neutral around food, that I'm no longer thinking about food 24-7. But that this time last year, I was literally in bed at 2, and my family just had no idea what was going on with their mother. So especially for those that are on the line this morning that are still in the food, there is absolutely hope. So hold on, the pain ends. And especially I think with these families that that have gone through with us, you know, any way we can be of service, that is my job today, to be of maximum service, to help anyone I possibly can. And I only can do that by staying fit spiritually. 
because I have to have this connection in order for that feeling and that movement and that availability to be ready and to be of that service. Um, so I'm just here. I did part of the conference, but my daughter's turning 21, and, you know, I want to give back to this family that has gone through so much with me. So she loves the East Coast, and I just brought her with me, and it's just amazing to see this child who used to call her mother Nummy Num Num. And this because I was so numb in sugar. I wasn't available. I wasn't awake. And to be of service to this family of mine that I love so much, it's just unbelievable. So, you know, I have to just recover, recover, recover. And I'm so grateful Harlan told me that over and over. I felt like it became a mantra. But that's all I had to do is do my job. I have to do this. I have to do this daily. It's not yesterday's work that's going to keep me out of the food today. It's today. It's right now this morning waking up and saying, good morning, God. That's how I start my morning every morning. It's this connection, constant connection. You know, and so I stay in my own swim lane, and I love the last sentence of this. And even though he continues to drink, so that person may not have the food down today, but that family might pick up these principles, might have them in their lives, and they they find that life is more bearable. You know, there's so much mad miracles to this program. And again, I just want to be of maximum service and have my hand available to wherever God wants it to be touched. And with that, I pass. Thank you. And thank you, Ginger Siri. Okay, we can have another two-minute share for someone that would like to. Renee Anybody? C. Okay, Renee, it's yours. Go ahead, dear. Hi, Janice. Thank you so much. Renee C., Grateful Recovering Food Addict, Compulsive Overeater from Philadelphia, outside Philadelphia. I want to just say how touched I am by the shares today and by the reading and um, that's actually true every day. <laughs> but uh, in particular, you know, working with the families. Um, I know my family doesn't quite, my blood family doesn't quite get what I do where the food is concerned and what I do where the program is concerned. Um, but they kind of like the results, which is what I've been hearing. And they kind of like the um the willingness I have to, you know, to be honest, open-minded, and willing, and to be, uh, to make amends, and to do a 10th step, and to pray before I'm going to speak to somebody if it's something that might be considered controversial or difficult, um, and that's the, that's what program does for us, or certainly for me. It has changed the way that I look at life, and uh, I'm so grateful for that. Um, I really wish I had been with all of you at the convention. I was certainly there in spirit, but I wasn't well for my cancer and my chemotherapy treatment. However, I'm better, and uh, I was definitely there (laughs) with all of you, holding hands, trudging the road of happy destiny. And I'm just so grateful. Oh, my, just so very grateful. for everything this program has offered and for the willingness to finally hear the message of vision for you and to finally tune into the meetings each day. So with that, I will pass. Thank you. And thank you so much, Renee C. Yes. Okay. So that is our time. And uh, thank you to everyone who has shared. So please join us for the second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. 
Santa, will you please read a vision for you? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. I certainly will. Hi, uh, my fellow visionaries. My name is Santa H., a grateful compulsive overeater living in a solution one day at a time, calling in from New Jersey. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you shall surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.